I'll, I'll paradigm like, or paradigm? Paradigm. Yeah, part, don't say paradigm. No one, dude. I was in a conversation the other day where somebody was saying paradigm, and I was like, "Am I just wrong?" Did you slap them in the face? (laughs) Because you person were remote, Jesse. Did you reach Uh, through the computer and slap them in the face? You absolutely should have. Paradigm. uh, Come on. Hello, and welcome to episode one sixty-seven of Sprint, a UX podcast your source for weekly UX, product, and tech news. I'm Jesse Weaver, and with me is Michael. I am Michael Deesing, and also with us is... Alex Hoffman. What's up, guys? What up, what up, what up? Hey. How's everybody doing? Dude, I'm doing great. It's beautiful outside. I couldn't be happier. Rolling in a new pad. We got to get the Cribs episode on Alex's new pad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I guess we should just jump into what's happening. I'm in my new house. Woohoo! Woo! So, how'd the move awesome, go? Man. The move went good, but like you know, we were like, we don't need hire movers or any of that. So I just got a 20 foot U-Haul, and my girlfriend and I did everything ourselves. Just the two of you? Just the two of us. And dude, it you're was insane. Rough. You're insane. <laughs> <laughs> the older I get, the more like. The last time we moved, we actually hired some people, and I'm like, "What? What is this world? This is amazing." <laughs> yeah, and like you know, if you think about it, like the U-Haul is still like you know a couple hundred bucks or whatever. It's like you might as well just hire movers. It was kind of a little stubborn of me, um, and we got totally like totally worth it. We got like this really nice dining table from her her folks, and it's solid wood. And the top of that, it's like probably like four by six. Or something that top yeah. piece weighs like at least a hundred pounds. That thing was not fun to carry. Oh, I am never moving now because the dining room table that I had built weighs about 550 pounds. <laughs> when we moved it into the house, I had to get three friends to come help. Oh, goodness. When I was younger, I had one of the last times I helped anybody move. A friend of mine was moving in with his girlfriend and he called myself and another guy to help. And we showed up at his house and helped him get everything loaded. And of course, you know, he had your typical like, uh, you know, uh, Ikea, super light, you know, particle board, whatever furniture. So we got everything moved out. And we show up at her house and she's got like a full suite of adult furniture and she's up on like the 10th floor of this apartment building. Oh God. And we got up there, we walked in and my friend and I just turned around and walked out and we were like higher movers. (laughs) (laughs) I had a friend we helped move and she had boxes of books and she was, she's an art person. So she had like, you know, photography books that are insanely thick and insanely heavy. And I was like, no, you're moving your books on your own. Cause I moved like one box. And I was like, this is insane. This, this like, one foot by one foot box weighs more than like a dining room table. I feel like there's like milestones in life that we talk about. There's like driving, boating, drinking. Like one of them is like having enough money to hire movers and to be like, I will <laughs> never have to move my own shit ever again. <laughs> also yeah. moving to a place where you're like, I'm just not going to move. Like, yes. you know, yeah. for a while early in your life, I read a thing. I read a thing that said the average person um, lives in 11 places um in their life and i was like i haven't lived in that many and then i counted and it's nine different places i lived in i've lived in so many places since i moved to denver in 2010 
I think I've moved like eight times. Something like Jesus. that. Yeah. So I'm pretty happy. To eight not times in 11 you, years. Do you Ooh. count, Michael, do you count like college and stuff like that? Like I did count. Around? I did count college. Um, college for me wasn't very many. I, w- I lived in the dorm two years. I lived in a townhome and then I lived in a new apartment. I'm just counting really quick. I'm at 13. I'm counting addresses. Yeah. Not like, so I don't count the same address twice, even if I lived with my parents multiple times. Is there a time limit? Like, do you have to have been in a place for a certain amount of time? Mm, No. Did like you for example, surf? well, no, I like li- I like did an internship in Atlanta for a summer and lived in Atlanta for three months. Does that count? That counts. Okay. Yeah. So, then, count. so then fifteen. I Ooh. got. Are we talking total life? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So nine, and then. Um, like I counted where I lived when I was in kindergarten, where I lived was in first grade. <laughs> Do you count it if you screwed up and didn't give 30 days notice and the apartment you lived in made you move into an apartment across the like yard from where from yours and you only lived there for a month? <laughs> I'm, I'm counting one of those. We I moved into a place. Uh, amazing. Because then 16. <laughs> That's amazing. I moved into a place with a buddy in college and he'd been running this place forever and the rent was seven twenty five, and we split that, which was just insane. And then after My... a month being there, the lady sold the place and made us move. And we convinced the guy two houses down to take his house off the market and rent it to us. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm counting that. So that's I'm at thirteen or fourteen. That's not too bad. Life. Um, I, the first apartment I had here, Alex, in the suburbs of Denver was, uh, 512 when I moved in. Yeah, I know. I had, I had an apartment on Capitol Hill in 2011 that was 540 with utilities. Ooh, dude, that's crazy cheap. I was a one bedroom, like 700 square foot apartment. No, it was like probably like five or six. Yeah, my apartment was like 580 square feet. Yeah. I had a, I was in a duplex in, in Cap Hill that was like sick. It was 1100, but we, we had two roommates, so split three ways. That's oh, amazing. dude, that's cheap. So good cheap. Old, the good old days. All right, so what else is new? Michael, Not a whole lot. Here. Otherwise, the springtime, sunshine, sunshiny days. I saw the food you made on Instagram the other day. It looked amazing. Which one? I uh, I've had I had a oh, okay. Something here's with actually gravy. Some, so here's actually some news. Uh, I came to a revelation this week. Uh-oh. When I'm stressed out and I'm overbooked with freelance work, I cook. <laughs> um, so like I made skirt steak lettuce wraps the other night, um, and then the following night I made cauliflower puree and um, short ribs with gravy. That's the one I was talking about. That looked freaking amazing. I was like, it was so good. I always look at short ribs when I'm at the butcher shop and I'm like, God, those look good, but I don't know how to cook them. Short ribs are pretty good. They're so good. Dude, the, uh, the, um, uh, the recipe for the short ribs was like 45 minutes to an hour prep time. Um, 
and then like an hour to cook it was easily like two and a half hours of prep time and then like an hour and a half to cook <laughs> uh gets you every time okay uh what are we talking about today jesse I think we're going to talk about a little thing that is happening in a company called Basecamp, where they um, had some interesting things happen with some policies that they put in place around um, what employees can and can't do at work, what they can, can and can't talk about, and how they want to approach sort of their culture. And it kind of blew up. And I so, think a significant so portion wait. of the company quit. Wait, so real quick though, what's Basecamp? <laughs> so many people, actually, I think everyone on this call has probably worked at a company that at one point in time used Basecamp as their primary um, product management tool. Yes. Is that a safe bet? Alex, did you work at a company that used Basecamp as your primary tool? The first company I ever worked for, 2012, Yes. I mean, there was a time when like literally everyone used Basecamp, especially agencies and things. Um, so to put this in context, basically Jason Fried, um, one of the founders of Basecamp, posted a blog post um, on hey.com about some changes at Basecamp that they had been discussing. Uh, it came to light after he posted this that this was not communicated to employees before. Um, when he published this publicly, it was the first time that any of anybody inside the company had been aware of it um, beyond beyond management. Um, but just to top level this, um, they numbered some policy changes and the top level things of these policy changes, we'll link it up so you can read it if you haven't, but no more societal and political discussions on our company Basecamp account, no more paternalistic benefits. Um, meaning wellness and farmer's market and education allowances and things like that. Um, no more committees. No more lingering or dwelling on past decisions, um, which is a little bit loaded. I'll let you read that description. Um, no more 360 reviews. No more forgetting what we do here, which is very like we make software, get it done. It's so um, aggressive. And that was number six. Sorry. So those were all six things that he talked about. Um, so like Jesse was saying, there was pretty immediate backlash from, I mean, the Twitter community in general, but that's not terribly surprising. Twitter is an ecosystem that people jump on um, kind of discussing these things. But very quickly, a bunch of the company was concerned some people quit um and within the week there was a pretty big upper r um i'm not sure how much later jesse do you know the timeline of the meeting there was an all hands i don't meeting. know i was just looking to see there was an all hand meetings on friday yeah so he published this on the 26th on a monday um, and on Friday the 30th, they had an all hands meeting. Basically, they said, there's so much happening in the world. And so many people are giving us backlash about this. We need to talk about it as a company, which is like, basically, they started the meeting by saying, hey, we published this thing publicly without discussing it internally. Let's have an internal discussion. 
Right. Well, so, and that's oh, go ahead. What were you gonna say, Alex? I was just gonna say like there's there's a voice and tone of this that is a little weird. Well, no, it's a little just negative. In fact, each one of these bullet points starts with the word no. Yep. Not a great start. Um, also, like seeing this, like I'm sure people were like, you know, within the company texting it to each other through whatever team Slack, whatever. And like, could you imagine just like sitting there working and your coworker sends you this and goes, bro, like, or dude or homie or whatever the word is you want to use. <laughs> like it's, it's my, my you God. know, like being, you're getting caught off guard and like each one of these starts with no, like the way it's, it was delivered and the voice and tone of it overall is not great. I mean, if my company posted something like this, I would definitely panic read it. Um, it, cause it does, it doesn't sound like there was an announcement internally, um, unless I'm reading things wrong. Um, but well, um, I don't want to. I don't want to immediately take us off slightly, like the core problem here. But something I realized that like bothers me a lot, and this is such an example of that, is like there is such a deep arrogance in the tech world. Like, why even post this? This is not a post. This is like an internal conversation with your employees. Like the Great. fact that they made it a blog post is like over yourself. Like Exxon is not like going to their blog to post their like most recent corporate like policy. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a very tech thing to do. Yeah. It's the same thing of like individuals on Twitter being like big personal news. I'm leaving so-and-so or wherever. And I'm always like, who cares? Like, are you serious? I don't know. Sorry. That is like an aside, but I just, it just feels so. It's an aside, but it's not an aside. I don't think it is either. Yeah. Like, I, I agree with you that, like, this is an internal thing that they, like, the fact that employees had to learn about this by reading a public blog post yeah, or reading a news article about a public blog post first and then being like, what do you mean my my company founder posted this? I, I just, I'm literally in a meeting at 9 a.m. and everyone's like, hey, did you see what the CEO posted? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That, yeah. To your point, yeah, that that is a very like tech arrogance. Uh, like CEO, well, they, CEO is social influencer. Yeah, and he he like opens with like an Aldous Huxley post from the Doors of Perception. I'm like, okay, there, Jim Morrison. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. that's it. I mean, it, I think there's one paragraph in here that I'll read that I I think kind of summarizes this, but it's basically like. We all want something different, some slightly different, some substantially. Companies, however, must settle for the collective difference. Pick a point and navigate towards somewhere. Least they get stuck circling nowhere. And the point of the way I interpret that is we have a product. It makes money. Let's continue to push out features and build stuff. It has no relevance to what's happening in the world around you. Let's just make money. Mm-hmm. We yeah. are a money yeah. printing machine. Yeah. I'm particularly bothered by the no more societal and political discussions on our company base camp account. Like, okay, I get it. Like it's not healthy. And like, 
people have different opinions and we all work for the same company and we should be allowed to have different opinions and work together. That makes sense. But at the same time, this is exactly why Twitter got so bad and they had Trump's account. If you don't have those discussions, then you could be ignoring certain things that are very, very important. And that's not cool. I mean, in my opinion, when you build something collectively in this tech world that brings millions and billions of people together, you have a moral responsibility to make sure that that product isn't causing harm in the world. Um, and that can be interpreted in different ways, but particularly, I mean, like the Craigslist had the Craigslist killer and that stuff. Um, like when we talk about how products can be used nefariously, you should do things to make sure that your products are safe um, to use. That is a moral responsibility and ethical responsibility. Right. And then that kind of go goes into like this, no more committees. And it's like, well, <laughs> these things are around for a reason to manage. Like company culture stuff. is a thing, right? <laughs> well, and what's so interesting is like, these are the guys who wrote multiple co company culture books. Yes. Like and there's a I, level of I, disingenuousness here that feels problematic. I think that's what hit really hard on Twitter is people were like, I idolize these people as like the type of leader that I should be. And here these people are saying like, I don't care who you are as an individual, just come to work. We told you these features need to be pushed, build them and push them out. Yeah. It makes me wonder, and I haven't, I guess I haven't read enough to know the full backstory, but like, it makes me wonder like what happened to push them to this, to like put this out, you know, like, I mean, from what it sounds like they had some committees that identified some issues internally. And when those issues were brought up, when the dirty laundry was surfaced, they were uncomfortable with it and didn't know how to handle it. And this was a overcorrection. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, Right, but I mean, like, there's. I like I want to believe that they're trying. I I still like even after all of this term over, I want to believe that like they had some good intentions. They just did the wrong thing. Yeah, as an employee, in my though, opinion, when I read something like this, number four, no more lingering on or dwelling on past decisions. It goes on and on and on, and it ends with it's time to get back to making calls, explaining why once. And moving on to me, that's like my superiors saying like, this is how it is. Suck it up, deal with it and keep going. Like, that's not a fun and work environment. What I mean, I know some companies here in Denver that their CEOs have given very similar speeches at all hands meetings <laughs> where they're like, our revenue is down. Our product sucks. You people need to suck it up, work 60 hours a week. And that's the only way we're going to turn something around. Right, and there's a time and a place for that. <laughs> is there? But well, maybe I mean, not. That's I mean, the discussion no. here. Might is like, like, I understand that they we all have jobs because our product makes money. Like that's not. I don't think anybody doesn't realize that. But like, in my opinion, your employee is worth money because of your your company is worth money because of your employees like you hire smart people because you want their their brains their thinking so that you don't 
one, you don't have to do everything, but two, you're hiring people to do things that would do it better than you would. Um, and if you don't give them the room to do that, then I, I don't see what the point is. Um, I mean, with these committees and things like no more 360 reviews, like there is some pure, I, I, I'm on the fence about 360 reviews sometimes because there is definitely some politics involved, but also like, it's not just hard numbers evaluation, like how you collaborate with your team is important. Right. And, and the, he goes on to make this massive assumption that um, people during 360 reviews don't say anything um, critical. They just say positive and reassuring feedback, which is fun to read, but not very useful. That's what he says. That is such an arrogant thing to assume. I mean, the, to like, your point, the tone like, of this is really bad. He ends that paragraph with, so we're done with 360s too. Yeah, like, right? It's like, he's like, just like, all right, here we go. Throw him in the dumpster. Yeah, he's just throwing stuff in the dumpsters because these are superficial problems to him. That's what it feels like to me when I read this. But that's just crazy because, you know, I personally love the opportunity to give 360 reviews because I want to highlight the good work that my coworkers do. They deserve credit for that. And a lot of times people go without giving the credit they really deserve. Also, I don't really have a whole lot of opportunities to give criticism to some of my coworkers. It's a nice platform for me to... And I spend a lot of time when I do these to make sure that like they're worded in a very, you know, like productive way. way. Yeah. That, like that, like, in like, I, you know, you offer some solutions or like what, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, he says uh, about no forgetting, no forgetting what we do here. He says we make product management team communication and email software. We are not a social impact company, Yeah, which I mean, product philosophy in general, um, Jesse, I'm watching your face here. Um, Product philosophy in general is um, like, I I feel like everything has a social impact that we make, whether you want to admit it or not. Even just how work gets done at a company has an impact on all of those people's lives. Jesse? Mm -hmm. Jesse, what's you. in your head? No, I mean, there's just so much to unpack here. Like- so much. <laughs> and that, I think that's why this blew up is because everybody had something to say because there's so much to say. Yeah. And like, oh man, the problem is, is that there, and there is, I know we're not going to get into depth on it, but there was some like interesting dynamics if you read some of the articles around like race and some other things like that and we don't want to go deep into that but like there's just this whole thing of like the idea of like not forgetting what we do here that you can that in a society where all of these things are happening and they're happening differently to different people that you can just shut all of that off when you walk in the door at work right and that like I can ignore all of these things that are happening around me because I want to focus on how I'm going to get this like email delivery to be better. It's just like really pretty uh, privileged and um, like Pollyanna. You know what I mean? Like, like, I mean, you may not have 
issues in your life that like you can think about work 24 seven, but like, you know, pandemic aside, like Mm -hmm. you might have kids, you might have like some financial debt or like, you know, like family issues, like there's so many things that to say, just like, I don't care about that. Leave it at the door. Um, is just insensitive. Mm-hmm. It is, especially, you know, in this, this world that we're living in right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, aren't we supposed to be empathetic as product user focused people? Right. right. Yeah. I, I, I tend to the, the Figma like virtual conference config and there was one talk and he talked about he's like you know what you guys are all designers and you're all good about applying empathy like why not do that to your coworkers? why not do that to your boss like you know like practice that stuff in your everyday living like if you're so good at it like why aren't you putting those same practices towards users and your and everything else mm-hmm but um, I what I'm curious now because like I feel like we really tore this article down. We clearly, well, as a group, as a group, like aren't super stoked about it. Like, what, what, what's so next? I mean, that's that's the beginning of what happened here. The a week later, they had a company internal meeting that lasted two and a half, three hours, something like that, um, where they kind of started out with a statement that was an apology that wasn't an apology because, to my knowledge, at this point um, of recording this. They haven't walked back a single one of these policies. They just said they just apologized for the way it was announced. Um, and then as a result of what happened in that all hands meeting where there was some argument between employees and management, one of the management people was dismissed or resigned on their own the next day. Um, and a lot of employees who were on the fence about staying left. Um, the one, the one thing I think they did in a okay manner was there's a severance package that they offered. And originally there was a deadline to it. And my understanding is that in the all hands, they basically said this severance package is available to anyone who's been here for more than three years. And, um, they, you can take it at any time in the future. There's no expiration of this. If you decide to stick around at any point, you can leave and take this severance package. Um, But my understanding is that there were 57 employees. And as a result of that all hands meeting on Friday or be after that meeting, people made the decision that a third of their workforce decided to quit and take the severance. There was only 57 employees of the whole company. Yes. In um, both Basecamp and Hay. Wow. Or Hay, Hay. A lot smaller than I It is a lot smaller than I thought, which actually makes this even worse, in my opinion. I think so, too. It really does, doesn't it? Like, that doesn't belong on the internet. Well, I mean, if you only have 57 people, then are you talking to any of your employees? Yeah. Like, I... Oof. Jesse, what what are your thoughts here? No, it's super interesting. Like right now, I'm just looking back through some of the language too, and like the the one about no more societal and political discussions. 
it's it, there's just such a this just feels like so much of a bubble right and this idea again that like we just focus on what we do they even say like talking about social and political conversations like these are difficult these are difficult enough waters to navigate in life but significantly more so at work like even that distinction between life and work feels also completely like Pollyanna you know it's like that is there's so much of our society that is based around work and we spend so much of our time at work right to think about it as like no you're at work and now you're in your life it feels like so outdated and just ridiculous it's just ridiculous <laughs> like yeah, if, when I, you don't say, know, I just don't good when you say outdated that's that's exactly how i think about it so in my mind i don't know why but the 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 scenario that keeps going through my mind is i think about my grandfather who worked on at a manufacturing place when you came to work you worked on machines you put on your your ear protection and your goggles um and you know you're like grinding steel and stuff um you didn't bring your life to work um, for better or for worse. Um, and I think there's this idea that times were simpler when we didn't talk about societal issues at work, but there's this side of me that's like, you know, on breaks at lunch, like I'm sure my grandfather talked to his friends, his coworkers about, crap that was happening in their city, in their town, in the world, you know, the presidential election. Like, I have no doubt in my mind that these water cooler discussions happened. It's just that they didn't happen on Slack. They didn't happen on Twitter. They didn't happen on Instagram. Like, The other thing that's interesting, though, is because my grandfather also worked in a factory building Mac, Mac trucks. If you think about that time, it was also not a diverse workplace. No. Women weren't working there. You know, like black people probably weren't working. Like it was all white dudes just working together. Right. And so like, Locker yeah. Locker room talk. Like of, short, of course these like conversations were contentious because everyone was like, it's all just us, right? And they all got paid the same amount. Like totally. And so now all of a sudden, like things are moving in a much better direction and the workforce is much more diverse and the conversations are more complicated. Like, right. And we so, can't just say it's locker room talk anymore. Like that's right. terrible. Right. I, I like, get this we're building sense. products for that, like people use. And anytime you give a platform for people to write stuff, especially like, Holy moly, you need to have some serious ethics going on. Mm -hmm. Well, and right. I get this sense that it was like, there's this overtone to these posts that even his apology post that came later, that was not an apology. Um, the overtone to it, to me is like, things got really hard and we didn't know what to do. So we quit. Mm -hmm. Like some people were uncomfortable with political discussions that happened. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really, it's, it's a really interesting situation to watch so i so i want to know like we've like broken this thing down like crazy like what do you do with this if you're gonna walk away from this this podcast tonight or today this morning i mean wherever you are in your life what what, what what's the takeaway here here's my takeaway while they haven't changed their mind about anything it seems 
they have publicly said, well, one, they're having more internal discussions, which in my mind is good um, that they're doing that. Um, and the people that aren't open to discussions have resigned. Um, and in the non-apology apology post, there was basically a statement that said, you know what, we probably didn't do this in the right way. We have a lot to learn and we're going to move forward and learn things. So whether or not they do that, we'll see, but they're opening the door to say, the articulation was wrong. The way it was presented was wrong. Like if there's any validity to this, this we need to communicate with our employees. Um, yeah, this is. Oh. I wonder. I it, I I wonder if there's some people that are staying. That are staying for the reason of trying to make this company better, and maybe to their own detriment. I don't know, but. Um, well, there's I, lots of piece, reasons why I, people have to stay. True, but I also want to believe that some people have chosen to stay, even though they could leave. Um, because they want to make everything better for everyone. Right. I'm, I'm reading this a second to our staff who reigns with us, blah, 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 blah. The one thing that kind of bothers me about this um, is that it says, and we're sorry we put you through that experience. That to me is It's like, not over. <laughs> Let's yeah, be clear. That, that's this like, is not over. That's when you're in, you're in an argument and someone wants you to apologize and you're like, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. It's like, that's not an apology. <laughs> I mean, this article basically says like the quote is regroup, rebuild and get back to business making great software. It's not just about capitalism. Um, they say like after the quote, you know, but they didn't really offer any specifics as to what that future looks like. Um, and I think everyone's kind of waiting to see what happens. Um, with the extension of the severance package being an option at any point in the future, I think some people are going to wait it out a little while and see what happens. But I do think there's a short time frame for people to give them a chance that are giving them a chance. All right. So let's do some takeaways and let's start all of them with the word no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How about we start them all with the word yes? Yeah. All right. Michael, two takeaways. Go. Two takeaways. Um, yes, we will listen to our coworkers and their perspectives. Um, and yes, we are all here to make money, but we are individuals first. All right. Jesse, you got two yeses? I'm like trying um, to think of my own. I know I'm trying to think what my, like this is just just like so much here I'm trying to think like what, what are looks like some of my my key things here I mean it feels like this is just not oh, we're supposed to start with yes aren't we <laughs> I found myself so wrapped up in this that I couldn't not read everything about it when when last week when all this happened I just like was so like I mean, it kept me up at night thinking about like, what is going on? Cause there's, like you said, there's just so much entangled in this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So for well, me, I know, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, I don't know if this is a takeaway, but like one of the big things for me is 
I just don't feel like this is going to work. Like it's not, I've been in super toxic cultures, like work cultures before where like conversation is discouraged and, you know, like dissent is discouraged and all this sort of thing. None of it goes away. Like it all just gets like either bottled up or like bubbles under the surface. It's like, this is just a cut. This is so cosmetic. And I think maybe that's the other thing for me, actually, here's a takeaway. The fact that they posted it, the fact that like what they're doing is actually cosmetic, the fact that they made such a big deal about it and then posted a like semi-apology that wasn't an apology, tweeted all about it. Like, well, and posted it without uh, circling it internally. This is like, this just feels so ego driven and so like performative from free. But in what, like, what did they think was going to happen? Everyone is going to shake their hand and commend them? Like, yeah. To that ego thing, like, were they like, I'm taking a stance and people are going to think I'm, I'm great for taking. No, I think, I think they like think of themselves as social media influencers. Like, I think they are just at like any, like 20 something Insta influencer. Who's like posting selfies on top of a building. They're like, we're going to make sure the world sees what we're doing here. And I don't even know if they cared whether it blew up or not. Like if you read the apology, DHH is like, on like basically like saying like unsurprisingly twitter is super upset like they knew what was going to happen you yeah. know like this just feels so there's something really weird about this to me super weird that i can't for what it's worth on, but like for what anyway. it's worth jason's 47 years old really um yeah and there were there were some takes on this some hot takes um that he was exerting his fictional influence on the tech world that no longer exists Mm -hmm. yeah yeah totally yeah and Basecamp is not that popular of software like they're kind of like sliding into irrelevancy a little bit you know that like maybe I'm wrong there maybe I'm wrong okay but they they also hold on they also did that whole performative (laughs) thing against Apple when they were trying to launch the Hey app and Apple like they did that like an Apple was not gonna let them on the platform because they wouldn't give them the cut or whatever I don't know. There's something very, very performative about both of these guys to me. And I don't know. It makes this whole thing it's, it's an true. extra level of, of strangeness. Also, when <laughs> they came to town to do their book tour, it was $450 per person to hear them talk for 30 minutes. That's crazy. He made a post right after that one on making decisions. And he says, whenever I make decisions, I don't think about now. I think about eventually. How will this feel then? Right now is the wrong measure of the moment. Later is the right one. That is so contradictory to what he (laughs) did. I don't know. So what's your takeaways, Alex? My takeaways are, okay, as an employee of a company, this, if I was working there, I would feel like, okay, cool. So the doors are closed. That's kind of how I would feel. And for me, my takeaway would be like, yes, we want to hear from you. Yes, our doors are open. Yes, we want to we wanna have you express your opinions. It doesn't matter if it's related to, you know, your actual work or if something that's happening in the world and you think that ethically or we have a responsibility, we should hear that out. Yes, we want to hear that. That's not what I got from the article. That's my big one. And then the other one is like, 
I don't know. I don't know. I struggle with it. It feels very, um, like I, I love companies that have a very flat hierarchy of command. I think you should absolutely have a hierarchy of command, but with the flatter it feels, the more I feel comfortable with saying like, Hey, did you guys think about this? And maybe I'm dropping a huge grenade in the room and maybe I'm totally wrong about it. But having that comfortability to be able to say that, that's important to me. And this article didn't make me feel like that. Um, I will leave this conversation with an aside um, that in my opinion, I this sparked some thoughts in my head about products I use and policies of those companies and whether I should be paying more attention to where my money is spent. Um, I'll leave it at that. Also, what's base camp? <laughs> <laughs> Those were, I'm not going to lie, those were some of the best comments on yeah, Twitter. We're was... like, can somebody tell me what Basecamp is? Because I just <laughs> have never heard of this company before. All right. Um, Michael, are you taking us home? I believe I am. So I do appreciate everybody sticking through and taking this ride with us today. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, we're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Spotify and Breaker, which is still around. Um, I like Breaker. Please, please, please take the time to go to Apple iTunes and leave us a review. Five stars would be amazing. Um, and you can get notes. We, there's so many Basecamp articles. We're going to link up like five on the show notes. Go to SprintUXPodcast.com to check those out. Um, also, anything you want us to discuss or talk about, or if you want to share your opinion, please hit us up on Twitter at Sprint UX Podcast or email us contact at SprintUXPodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. We even have some t-shirts we can mail you. If you give us some, some love, we'll give you some love back. Um, I am Michael Dusing. You can find me on the Twitters at MDusing. Jesse, where can people find you? I'm Jesse Weaver. You can find me at Harry Elefante. And I'm Alex Hoffman. You can find me at Hoffmander. Pew, 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 pew. That's the show, folks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, God.